I've been around a lot longer. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. You, you do have a cockroach effect. Can't get rid of them. Donovan McNabb is with us today. TJ Fair joins us. We are joined to open the show by Josh Black. Just overall competition, right? That, that's exactly what we needed for this team. One in ten is not something you really want to use as fuel. If Steve got in a fight, I'd come to his defense because he's my bro. If you were on the ropes, I would have stepped in. You didn't need my help. Hands off. Tucker feels his way in around his own man, and he scores untouched. It's a touchdown for Sean Tucker. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Pauly Sebelia. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Pauly Sebelia. I'm Stephen Fonte as we welcome you into our final show of the week. Thank God. Tuesday edition of Orange Nation. We've got three guests lined up for you. We will be joined momentarily by the voice of the VCU Rams, Robbie Robinson, as we preview tomorrow's game between Syracuse and VCU in the first round of the Battle for Atlantis. Coming up at 1230, we're going to talk some football with Tim Benz. He's a Cuse guy, uh, works at the Tribune Review in Pittsburgh as we preview Syracuse and Pitt. Oh, yeah. Well, we can talk some Steelers. He covers the Steelers on a yeah, regular basis. Yeah, he does their pregame show. Yeah. Uh, he's a Cuse guy. I knew him back when he was in college. I've known Tim for a very long time. Uh, and then Brandon Steiner from Collectible Exchange will join us at 1.30. Uh, chance to get your holiday shopping off to an early start. Plus, we'll mix in your phone calls at 315-437-7644. How are you today, Paulie? I am doing great, Steve. Wish I was in Atlantis and not here with you, but I don't get to go on the fun trips. Kind of salty today. <laughs> I can tell. Brian Higgins texted me, uh, by the way, speaking of Atlantis, I asked him to bet $10 on any number he uh, wanted. He re- sent me the text this morning with, I bet uh, 10 bucks on Sean Tucker's 34. You are not pleased with the performance. <laughs> What number won that spin? Did he I say? don't know. I didn't ask him. So I don't know. I don't know. That would be if the it only was forty four. I'd yeah, right. Jump out of the window. <laughs> uh, is he on his way back? Yeah, I believe so because he's hosting a the Coach Baber show tomorrow. Well, he better be on his way back then. Yeah, they should be uh, heading back soon. Disappointing uh, performance for the ladies. Oh, for three down there. We knew that was a possibility. Well, yeah, for the ladies, but it's also, you know. It's a realistic possibility for the men. You know, you hope you get the first one. Very deep field down there. Yeah, you know, and I don't think it'll happen, but Syracuse could dig themselves a big hole if uh, Atlantis goes sideways. Yeah, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. Um, There's that way, and then you could also look at it as, you know, what's the best way to make up for the Colgate loss? They've got seven tough games coming up. Play well in these seven games. You're not going to win them all, but you know, yeah. go five and two or six and three. A win against, you know, if you you're lucky enough to get a game against Baylor, a win against Baylor goes a long way towards uh, getting you to the tournament. Right. Yes. Absolutely. I mean, just even a good showing down there. Again, there's there's a seven game stretch. You got three. You got Indiana, Georgetown, Florida State, Villanova. Make some hay here, because ultimately, I think when it comes down to quad losses and wins. That Colgate loss isn't going to be as ugly as everybody thinks it's going to be at the yeah, end. Yeah, Colgate's pretty good. Um, again, we discussed that coming in. You know, they shouldn't have lost that game, but Colgate played better on that particular night. and uh, They shouldn't and have won it either, Steve. Well, that night, no. I mean, Colgate deserved to win the game. Colgate played a lot better than Syracuse did. 
Um, but yeah, I think at the end of the season, I don't think it's going to hurt them all that much, but they got to take care of business uh, during this really tough seven-game stretch, which opens up tomorrow night, 5 o'clock down in the Bahamas against the VCU Rams. And with that in mind, we go to our guest line to bring on our first guest today. He is the voice of the VCU Rams, Robbie Robinson, joining us. Robbie, how are you? You uh, are you coming to us live from down in the Bahamas? Guys, I am right here in the marina looking at about probably $400 million for the ships in the Bahamas here in Atlantis. It is a beautiful day, and we're ready for basketball. It's a bunch of sweatsuits walking around here, guys. You would think it's the Final Four with all as many sweatsuits as we've got in the Atlantis Resort these days. All right, before we get into basketball, make us be a little jealous. We, we got our first snowfall today in Syracuse, New York. Oh. So we've got, we've got snow on the ground. It's like 30 degrees. Uh, uh, what do you got down there? Oh, guys, it is probably 82 and <laughs> sunny. And there's a not you know, the trade winds are blowing here at the Bahamas, and it is it is definitely the exact opposite of what you have in Syracuse. Now it was raining yesterday; it was pouring when we flew in from from Miami yesterday. But it, it's beautiful now, and we've got a great day. I got no basketball today, and then we don't play until late in the afternoon tomorrow. So I've got a good like twenty hours to do whatever I want with. It's not it's not terrible what we do sometimes, guys. I'm yeah. not going to lie to you; it's a pretty pretty blessed to be down here uh, in a beautiful part. But I will say this. Seven dollars for a banana. So bring your cash, guys. <laughs> <laughs> hey. Five three fifty for a can of Sprite. I also heard. Maybe you could describe the setup down there for us. I heard it's kind of a hey, you're walking through a casino and you go in a ballroom and all of a sudden you're on a basketball court. I, it's it's the darndest thing. I never get used to it. And DC's been fortunate, guys. Again, this is crazy. My job, but this is the third time I've been down here. So we've been down here for our third Atlantis tournament. It's exactly right. You're walking through a hallway. And then all of a sudden, it's like, all right, go through those double doors. And you walk through those double doors, like, oh, there's a Division One college basketball game going on right there. Look, it's Tom Izzo in a ballroom coaching a Division One game that has implications for later in the season and seeding in the NCAA tournament. How did that work? And the, the ceiling is low. And it, it's truly like you go through these two big double doors, like you're going through a breakout room to hear somebody talk about positive experiences in your life. Instead <laughs> of that, it's a Division One college basketball game between elite basketball programs in the country. Yeah, and this this field is absolutely loaded. Uh, you know, obviously Syracuse VCU. Uh, the winner gets probably Baylor, the defending national champs, on Thursday. They're going up against Arizona State, Michigan State's down there, Auburn, uh, UConn. It's a it's a loaded field. Uh, let's start with with this matchup tomorrow between Syracuse and VCU. Uh, obviously, Syracuse coming off a tough loss inside the dome against Colgate. The Raiders made 18 threes. They put up. 100 points. Uh, I'm guessing we're not going to see 100 points out of the opponent tomorrow. Bring us up to date on this VCU team. They haven't scored it all that well, uh, but they, they've got a couple of wins under their belt. They're 2-2 two and two right now. I mean, guys, if, and I love this team. I, this, this team is going to defend the heck out of you, and we'll talk about that in a minute, but if we get to the second game on Thursday and we've had 100 points, I think that's a high-five moment for us. We, we have struggled scoring the basketball. In fact, I was looking at it today. We have hit a total of 15 threes this season. So if you're a Syracuse fan listening to you guys right now, which I imagine there's a lot of, and knowing how good your zone defense is, you've got to be licking your chops for this matchup. It's a really, really bad matchup for us offensively just because we haven't shot it really well. I mean, 15 threes, um, Jarky's got 13 on his own. And so – I don't know exactly how we're going to score against Syracuse. I mean, the, the you know we're going to have to 
we're going to have to hit some shots, guys. And that's something that early on in the season we have not done very well. But on the same note, because you know us, we like to paint the rosy picture when you're behind the mic. We're due. And so maybe we can bust out, you know, a few more than we've had in the previous couple games. I think the result that stands out to everybody is uh, at Vanderbilt, holding Vanderbilt to 37 points. VCU won that game 48-37. So, so talk to us about that defensive end of the court and how these Rams get after you. All right, we're going to work harder than anybody that you've probably played all season long, and you're going to play some really good teams. But I bet at the end of the year, if you ask Coach Beheim, like, hey, who defended you better than anybody? I'd be surprised if VCU wasn't on a very short list of some elite teams that you guys will play. We're full court, we'll press, which is something that comes from the Shaka Smart era when he was here six years ago, and Mike Rhodes has kept the same thing. But our guys are long, they're lengthy, and they're, they just work hard. They work hard on the floor, on that side of the floor, each and every time. So um, I think that's a really good matchup for us. And I, I, obviously, your guys are very talented, and you got some guys that can really shoot it. But it's going to be difficult, and Vanderbilt found that out, and we have yet to allow anybody to score over 60 points, including that 37 spot that Vanderbilt had at home. That's an SEC team that couldn't get over 40 at home, so that says a lot. You'll see that from us. You will see, you'll see long defense. We're good, on, we're, we're good at the rim. We've got some shot blockers. We just work hard, and it makes everything difficult for you. And if you get exasperated, that's when you're really starting to play to our, our strength. So when you hear about a team that presses, generally you think it's going to be an up-and-down, high-scoring game. You want to speed up the game. The way the VCU presses, and then as we discussed, they've got some issues uh, You know, maybe on the offensive end of the court. They're not scoring as much as, as maybe you would like. Are, are, they, are they trying to shorten the game in, in some ways on the offensive end? Are they going to be really patient, do you think, against that zone? That's a good question. I don't think Coach Rhodes wants them to be patient against that zone, fellas. I really don't. I think Coach Rhodes wants us to work the ball around, make it hot, and get an open look early in the shot clock. Let me tell you this. If you guys are watching the game tomorrow and we look patient against the zone, Robbie, are you with Sorry, us? Sorry, guys. Yeah, I had to jump in the pool real quick. It was just too, <laughs> it was too inviting. I was enjoying the conversation. They got water slides here. It was my turn to go down the water slide, so I just immediately shut myself off. We, we totally understand. Uh, we, we totally understand. How about from a, a personnel perspective, uh, as we're watching the game tomorrow, who are a couple guys we got to keep our eyes on? Well, you want to watch Vince Williams, who is he's going to be a left-hander. He's a senior. Uh, he's going to be our major scorer. The tough part, here's the deal, guys, with us, and this is – Every team has to go through this, and no one's looking for any pity points with VCU basketball because Lord knows we've had a heck of a decade here. We lost our point guard, and we lost our number two score um, to injuries, full-season injuries at the beginning of the year. So not only did we lose Bones Highland, who was a first-round draft pick by the Nuggets, who's been playing really well in the NBA the first couple games of his season, we lost him, and then we lost our starting point guard and our number two score. So we're down. We're down personnel-wise. Vince Williams is a guy that – You'd love to have as a three guy or a four guy, a really good role player that's going to get you eight, going to get you 12 points, going to hit you some threes, but not really an alpha dog. He's being called on to be the alpha dog, and he started to take that role a little bit. He's tried to play into that role a lot better over the weekend. He had 21 against Chattanooga and a tough VC loss, but he's one guy. Um, Hassan Ward has got a seven foot four wingspan. Uh, NBA scouts really like him because of his athleticism. He's only been playing basketball for six years, so he could be a guy that tomorrow, if he gets going, and getting going for him is mainly on the defensive side, but also very active underneath the basket, putting rebounds back, you know, tip dunks back in. He's a guy that you should watch out for, too. Otherwise, it's guys that are trying to find their role. We, we start a freshman point guard who is probably someone that would be getting 15 to 18 minutes a game. Instead, he's got to play 30 because our starting point guard, Ace Baldwin's out. So we're a little banged up, and we're just trying to find roles. So it's 
that's what we're dealing with early on, and the main reason we're two and two and not four and zero. All right, you mentioned uh, a moment ago. You said it's been a heck of a decade, you know, here at VCU. I know you've been associated with uh, with the program. It looks like since two thousand eight. So you were you were there for that two thousand eleven Final Four run, and uh, they've had a lot of success. Not a ton of success recently in the NCAA tournament, though. Can, can you kind of take us through this last decade and and the rise of VCU basketball and kind of where it is right now? Yeah, that's a great question, guys. So, obviously, 2011 was Shaka Smart's magical run to the Final Four, beating Kansas and beating Florida State. And what happened next was the crux, I think, that as a program, you can decide which way you're going to go. And if you're George Mason, who in 2006, you went to the Final Four, you couldn't validate that. You know when you're playing golf, you're playing skins, you win a hole, well, you got to win the next hole to validate it. George Mason never validated that Final Four run. And, and you know, so they didn't become on that level of a basketball program that you think of when you think of good programs. The next year, VCU then went back to the NCAA tournament and won a 12-5 game where they were the 12th seed against, uh, against Wichita State and then barely lost to Indiana. So from there, that validated it. And with Shaka Smart there, it was the glory years of VCU hoops, man. The Siegel Center was rocking. He recruited guys that could press, that were incredible. And we kept going to the NCAA tournament. Shaka left to Texas. Will Wade comes in. Will Wade takes into two straight NCAA tournaments as well. Won a game against Oregon State in 2016. Then Will Wade goes to LSU, Mike Rhodes comes in, and inherits some really tough personnel issues. Flat out, just a tough personnel deal that he inherited. Didn't go to the tournament one year. Then went to the tournament the next year. Then COVID hit, and then last year we went to the NCAA tournament. I'm sure you guys remember, if, if, uh, if you're paying attention, we were the only team in the NCAA tournament that got banged because of COVID, right. which was crazy because we did not have any COVID cases on our team the entire season. We had games canceled left and right because of other teams. Our guys dedicated themselves to not leaving the dorms, basically, for four months. And lo and behold, it got us at the worst time. So when you look back from 2011, the Final Four run, to, um, to today, we've, we've only missed uh, the NCAA tournament once that was being played. And then there's the COVID year. You're right. We had a magical run to the Final Four. In fact, we haven't been to the second weekend since that 2011 team. But, man, still going to the NCAA tournament is what, what that goal is. And we've accomplished it, I guess, what, nine out of the last ten tournaments that it's been available for us to accomplish. And, and so I guess with that being said, Robbie, uh, what is the expectation this year? Is the expectation uh, back to the tournament? Or, or what, are you, what are you thinking? No, it, it, guys, it's, I mean, our fan base, they think it's a birthright. to go. It's a lot like yours, to be honest with you. I mean, if I were to ask you the same thing about sure. Syracuse, I mean, what year do you ever say, no, nah, we're good, maybe NIT this year? No, no, no. I mean, our fans expect to go to the NCAA tournament. We're 2-2 two and two right now, having lost to um, Wright State and Chattanooga, and there's some real consternation going on, much like it probably was the other night coming off that Colgate loss for you guys. We are used to winning. We're used to winning big. That's what we've gotten at this program. That's what, and, and I think our fans right now are struggling seeing how much the deck is stacked against this team with the injuries that they've had and also the loss of Bones Highland in the NBA draft. So uh, it's, it's a transition from our fan standpoint. Our coaches know it. I mean, coaches see the team every day, so they know what's in the hand they've dealt. The fans are starting to probably realize it's a lot tougher road for us than it's been in years past. But you know what? It's an optimistic group. I mean, our fans, they're not going to think we're not going to make the tournament until that selection show goes. And you know what? With this coaching staff and some of the talent that we have that's coming in, it wouldn't surprise me if we – you know, if we sprinted towards the end. I tell you what, though, up in your part of the world, there's a really good program in St. Bonaventure in our conference that has shown early on how good they are. They are, man, I know they're not too far away from where you guys are at right now, and that's going to be, they're a mighty mountain to fight through if you're the A-10 is trying to get over St. Bonaventure in the league standing. Well, yeah, I was going to hit you with that next is, uh, 
you, the the road to hoe in the A10 is is not exactly easy with St. Bonaventure, St. Louis, and Rhode Island up at the top. No, it's a great league, guys. And also, um, coming in next year is Loyola, who is here with us in the tournament this week as well. So, of course, we don't play them until next year. It's a phenomenal league. You know, and I'm an ACC guy. I went to the University of Virginia. So that, that's my alma mater. So I've, I've grown up in ACC country. So I know the strength of your league. But the A-10 is such a fantastic league with really good schools. St. Bonaventure, at least right now, is the alpha dog of the group as they showed down this weekend in Charleston winning that thing. Um, Dayton's always good. Rhode Island's always good. St. Louis has got a good program. Uh, Davidson is always sneaky good. All of these are really good basketball programs that focus on one thing, hoops. That's what it is. That's what the A-10 is, is you focus on hoops. And if you've got football, like a UMass or Rhode Island or Richmond, you're good for you, but that's not your alpha. Your alpha is basketball, and it's what makes it a great league for us. Yeah, uh, Bonnie's coming off, uh, as you mentioned, that that big tournament victory down in Charleston. Uh, beat Clemson, beat Marquette, back-to-back games. They're an experienced bunch. Uh, they look awfully good. Uh, as you look at this matchup tomorrow, Robbie, uh, last one for you. How do you see this this game between Syracuse and VCU playing itself out? What are you looking for? I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I really do. I think both teams are going to struggle to score. I think the Rams are they're going to have to figure it out against that zone. I mean, when you think zone defense, there's one program that comes to your mind if you know anything about college basketball, and it's Syracuse. It just is. And when you think what the zone is good against, it's teams that don't shoot well from the outside. And right now, that's something that we're trying to find uh, from an offensive standpoint. On the same token, I don't think Syracuse has faced anybody yet this year, and I think it's going to be a long time before they face somebody that plays defense as hard and as successfully as VCU does. They're going to press, but... Even if they don't get a lot of turnovers in the backcourt, they're going to make it hard for Syracuse to get it up, uh, get it up the court. Their length is going to be a problem, and it's going to be early on. Watch the body language of your guys, of the Orange, uh, early on, and see if, see if they're frustrated with how hard VCU is playing defense. That's what we saw against Vanderbilt. Within the first 10 minutes that Vanderbilt, who probably felt pretty good going into that game, realized how much of a test they were they were about to take in the VCU defense, and it just warmed down from them. That's what VCU's got to do to the Qs tomorrow. Uh, that and probably hit an abnormally high amount of shots, uh, all things considered for this season. All right, 5 o'clock tip between Syracuse and VCU tomorrow. Uh, thank you, Robbie, for pulling yourself away from the pool in the sunshine. Uh, enjoy your stay down there, and uh, hopefully we can talk basketball with you again down the road. Guys, anytime you want me, let me know. It's been fun to have be on with you guys. Sorry about the snow. We'll we'll get a little bit more uh, vitamin D down here in the Bahamas for you. We're definitely thinking about we're definitely thinking about our brethren up in Syracuse as it's eighty degrees and the trade winds are blowing off. I appreciate that. Yeah, send some vitamin D our way. We could uh, we could certainly use it. There he is, and we won't tell anybody at your alma mater that you said this is going to be the toughest defense that they're yeah, facing right. all year. Yeah. No, they, 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 we we scrimmaged them in one of those secret scrimmages, and they admitted it. They they totally admitted it. So so yeah, but but you can keep that between us and, and anybody else that happens to be listening. All right, all right Robbie, there he is. Uh, voice of the VCU Rams, Robbie Robinson. And with that, we'll uh, we'll take a timeout. We've got Tim Benz set to join us in about 10 minutes from now. We'll mix in some of your phone calls next. You're listening to Orange Nation on ESPN Radio. ESPN 97.7 and 100.1. Watch live on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation.
All right, Stephen Pauly back with you here on a Tuesday edition of Orange Nation as we go right back to our guest line to bring on our next guest today. Good friend of ours, good friend of the program, Tim Benz, columnist from Tribune Review Sports in Pittsburgh. Uh, just got out of the Mike Tomlin press conference. Tim, how are you today? Thanks for giving us a few minutes. Yeah, you bet. It's great to talk to you guys again. How are things out there? Uh, well, we are experiencing our first snowfall of the year, as we mentioned to our first guest, who's down in the Bahamas today. So it's like 35 and snow on the ground in Syracuse. Uh, what are you dealing with down there in Pittsburgh? We had a little last night down where I was doing a live remote. We had some accumulation earlier in November. It kind of it's fluctuating. It goes it goes from, okay, here it comes, winter's coming, and then we get a day where it's like the 70s again. So I think we'll probably do that all the way through Thanksgiving, maybe into December. Who yeah, knows? That, uh, that sounds familiar. Um, all right, let's talk some some Pitt Panther football. I know Paulie, who's a big Steelers fan, might have a, a Steelers question or two for you at the back end. But uh, tell us about this Pitt Panthers team. Uh, you know, Pat Narduzzi, he, he gets them to bowl games every year. This year he's got them in the ACC championship game. How are they doing it? Uh, they're doing it with the quarterback who might be one of, if not the highest quarterbacks drafted uh, in the NFL draft this year, Pickett. Uh, it's all about Pickett and what he can do offensively. Uh, Jordan Addison's a really good receiver, too. That certainly helps. They have decent enough running backs to complement the pass game, but it's about Pickett. And, you know, their defense has been, as it often is, good enough against the run. Um, you know, they struggle against teams that have balanced uh passing attacks, teams that run RPOs efficiently and proficiently. I mean, I I think that's where you can get at Pitt, and that's why you see a lot of high-scoring games, especially, you know, in the ACC. They will certainly take part in those. It's a little weird in the sense that Narduzzi has built his reputation as being a defensive coach, and this has been his best team so far, and it's all about a quarterback in a passing game and, you know, winning a few shootouts here and there like they did against Virginia, and they got into against Western Michigan, but that's been the book on them, but the short answer to your question is it's all about Kenny Pickett right now. You mentioned Kenny Pickett. You mentioned he might be the highest quarterback drafted. Um, You know, you obviously cover the NFL. What do you like about his skill set that you think will translate to that next level? Well, I think we saw a lot of it on Sunday night, actually. You know, what we remember of Roethlisberger and what we have seen some of in Justin Herbert. I don't think he quite has Herbert's arm. Uh, He doesn't quite have Ben's size, but that ability to throw on the rollout. um, He's nimble enough with his footwork. He's sound. He's smart. Uh, he can read defenses. Um, he can put the ball in tight windows, even when he's off platform. I think all of that will speak well to him when he gets to the combine. Um, it's going to be one of those things with Pickett where, you know, we've talked about this in Pittsburgh quite a bit already. You know, does he get to the combine and do they pick things apart about him to the degree that he's, you know, more in the back half of the first round or somewhere in the second round? Or because it's such a quarterback-starved draft and people need quarterbacks, do they pick him apart and decide just to heighten the good things about him and say, okay, he's worthy of being in the top 15? Um, you know, he's going to be – it's going to feel a little bit – I don't think they're the same kind of quarterback, but I think he's going to feel a little bit like how Mac Jones was analyzed when he came into the draft. You know, you look at uh, Pitt's side of the, the ACC, the Coastal Division, and, you know, they don't have to deal with Clemson year in and year out. They don't have to deal with Florida State, although Florida State's down right now. You expect that at some point Florida State's going to come back. Um, 
you know, their biggest competition, you know, probably Miami, if we're being honest, moving forward. Is there any reason why Pitt can't be a regular representative? I'm not saying every year dominate the way Clemson has over the course of the last, you know, decade or so, but is there any reason Pitt can't be a regular participant in the ACC title game? Uh, funny, the answer to that question usually has been, yeah, because they never get a quarterback. Yeah. Um, you know, I always jab Pitt fans about this conversation where, you know, what, what we need at the University of Pittsburgh is to have an on-campus stadium again, and we need to get out of Heinz Field, and that'll get the fans back, and that'll get the student enthusiasm back. No, you need a quarterback. Um, and they had a quarterback, and I was there for the Clemson game, and I saw all sorts of fan enthusiasm, and I saw a fairly full stadium at Heinz Field, and there was buzz about the team. You know, you have a quarterback, and you'll get results in only win-loss column, but also in attendance. And can they ever be what Clemson is on the other side? I don't think so. I just I, I don't think a major market NFL city kind of college does that um, too terribly often. You know, Miami had its moments, but they've been struggling in that regard, too. Uh, I just I don't see a team uh, on that side of the division that you look at and say, okay, they can do this for 10 consecutive years. Now, maybe if they do have a quarterback lineage, like we've seen at Alabama or like we've seen at Clemson, they can. But uh, I think the biggest answer to your question is uh, don't have Kenny Pickett be the exception. Have the rule be that you're steady at the quarterback position. You mentioned uh, you know being an NFL market. Um, I'm, I'm curious, Tim, how much do people care that Pitt is 9-2 and two and going to the ACC title game and in line to go to a really good bowl game? Uh, it's certainly been more this year, and I think it's because people sniffed out early what you were talking about, which was a clear path to an ACC championship game because they did have a returning quarterback who had some pedigree. There wasn't another team that was standing in their way as a clear-cut number one, especially when you saw that North Carolina wasn't going to be what the hype was coming into this season. So there was a, there was a crescendo there. And the biggest thing is for Pitt is that they were able to pay off the hype of the Clemson game. I mean, there have been years past where there's been um, an ascent to a game or a lead-up to a game uh, that was marked high on the calendar, and then they haven't been able to come up with a solid performance, and they have a disappointing loss, or they lose the game going into the game. There was a little bit of that with Western Michigan, but you know they avoided the pitfall right before the game against Clemson. Uh, they managed to win a game after Clemson that really mattered in some horrible their conditions against North Carolina. So they've been, for the most part, able to sustain the momentum. You know, the, the Miami loss hurt, but the fact that they rebounded from that and the police got into the position where we're going to the ACC championship game uh, has been meaningful. And, you know, to dovetail with the NFL City connection there, uh, the Steelers have had an up-and-down year. You know, there hasn't been a ton of hype and optimism and hope for the Steelers either. So they've, they've been able to fill the void optimistically a little bit here in Pittsburgh. Not, not to the degree that it cancels out tying the Lions. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's helped from time to time. You mentioned Kenny Pickett and sharing uh, the, the facilities with the Steelers. Is Kenny Pickett on the Steelers' radar as somebody that may come in and replace Ben? Oh, yeah, they're looking at him. I mean, you know, anytime there's a game at Heinz Field and I'm over there, you see Steelers scouts watching. I'm sure they're looking at other guys, too, like Addison. Uh, I think he's on their radar, and I, I don't necessarily 100% believe what's been thrown out there from some of the national pundits that 
you know, Mike Tomlin is adamantly opposed to starting over with the rookie next year. I mean, like, if they feel that Kenny Pickett is the best quarterback in the draft and then decides to retire and they don't wind up with Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers on their roster, uh, I don't think they'd be afraid from drafting Kenny Pickett. Uh, you know, I honestly haven't been able to drill down enough or get some inside information on how much they like him. But I think part of the reason why they might be intrigued by him is, you know, to the point of what Tomlin is talking about, he's not going to be uh, a green kid. He's had plenty of ACC experience, Power 5 experience, and he's older, more mature, and more developed. Uh, are the Steelers a playoff team? They're, they're on the outside looking in right now, um, but they're, they're just on the outside. You think they ultimately get it done? I know they got a tough schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, I I don't. I mean, if you made me choose right now, I would say no. I think that Lions tie was a killer. And I think that if you were to look at every one of their games moving forward, if you were to play it this week, they'd be 7-for-7 seven seven as the underdog. I mean, like they, they wouldn't be favored against a team remaining on their schedule in the circumstances that they're in right now, even like the Vikings. I think everybody they play right now is 500 or better, and the Vikings might be the worst. And they just beat the Packers, and the Steelers got crushed by the Packers. So, you know, it's the NFL. They'll probably go 3-4, and 4-3, four, four and three, but with that tie against the Lions, uh, that might be the thing that keeps him out is being the eighth seed as opposed to being the seventh seed and getting in. Yeah, I said that to Paulie the other day. I said it's either going to kill him or it's going to save him. Uh, my, my guess is it's going to kill him. You, you tie the lines, it's going to come back well, to there's, See, there's, there's no way I can say it's going to save him because that should always be a sure, win. Sure. They should always be a half game better than what they're going to be. I mean, even the Browns and the Ravens played the Lions, and the Lions played better against the Browns and the Ravens than they did against the Steelers. But the Browns and the Ravens still managed to beat them, whereas the Steelers ended up tying them. Yeah. Uh, last one for you, Tim, as we get you out of here. Uh, how do you see this game playing itself out on Saturday? Uh, it's obviously senior day in the Dome for Syracuse. They needed to get to a bowl game. You know, Pitt wants to, to get it to keep the momentum going, going into the ACC title game. Uh, who wins on Saturday and why? Well, my belief is people will win unless they decide they don't want to play guys that really don't take it seriously and they treat this almost like a preseason game for uh, the ACC championship, which I don't think they will. You know, like, I mean, they want 10 wins. They haven't had 10 wins in a regular season since Dan Marino's last year in Pittsburgh. So, um, actually, I take that back. I think it's since his junior year in Pittsburgh before he went to the NFL. So, um, and then they weren't as good as a senior. So, I think that they really want to get this 10-win monkey off their back that they've been talking about forever around Pittsburgh. So I think they take the game seriously. Uh, I think they. the big thing about their approach uh, de- defensively is they can contain the run. Uh, Syracuse likes to run. Tucker's great, but I don't think they can hurt Pitt in the pass game the way that other teams have hurt Pitt in the pass game. And I think that'll be the difference, and I think Pitt wins. Uh, yeah, uh, Syracuse has, uh, what was the number, Paulie? It's like 168 passing yards in three right. games yes. uh, total. 168 passing yards not in good. three games. Um, so, yeah, they're not going to be able to pass. You wouldn't think anyway. Uh, Tim, great stuff as yeah, always. It's not going to look like what Virginia and Miami and Western Michigan. This right. is, that's, that's not the kind of team they're playing, and that plays right at the pit's hands. Exactly. Syracuse can't throw the ball to keep up. Um, all right, Tim, great stuff. Uh, happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Always great to be on, guys. Appreciate it. Maybe we'll talk again during basketball season. Talk to you soon. All right, sounds great. There he is, uh, Tim Benz, Cuse guy. Covers uh, the Panthers and the Steelers out there in Pittsburgh. And with that, we'll take a timeout. Phone lines back open.
315-437-7644. They'll be open for next 45 minutes. And then we've got Brandon Steiner coming your way at 130. We'll wrap up our number one next on ESPN Radio. Watch your favorite ESPN Syracuse sports talk shows on QSportsTalk.com. This is Orange Nation. All right, as promised, we've got Brandon Steiner with us to close out the show. Just a couple minutes here uh, as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. Brandon, how are you? How are things today? You know, closing out your show. I like that. I like the ring to that. <laughs> so, uh, you know, people are, are getting ready to get their holiday shopping underway. Uh, you know, Black Friday's coming, and, uh, you know, this is obviously a busy month uh, in that regard. What do you have for us, uh, you know, on your website? What do you want to tell us about uh, what should be, we be aware of as we get our holiday shopping started? Well, first of all, thank you, all you Syracuse fans out there. I appreciate it. I'm sorry you're going through a little bit of some doldrums lately. I'm sure you've talked it all the way through with the losing and hopefully our winning ways will start in the Bahamas. But what I would say is we got all these great discounts right now. And all if you're a Syracuse fan and you need a Syracuse gift, this is the perfect time to go on to Collectible Exchange or CXStuff.com. There's some great stuff on the auction. We have a bunch of Buddy, Jimmy, and Coach Bayheim triple sign stuff. And then we have like this new basket. It's kind of a bucket of a miniature version of the dome with a whole bunch of sports Syracuse gifts in them. I, I still took the dome and I've created some new product with it. But I'm also, you know, doing some signs with some of the former and current players. So if you got a Syracuse issue as far as gifting is concerned, you no more. You just go to the site. Or if you really want some cool items and some cool stuff on the auction, just go to bitcx.com and you'll find everything you need. Um, we got to give away some stuff on the show, so hopefully there'll be a contest after I get off where we can give something away. Yeah, and, and uh, I don't think your sports room ever has enough Coach Bayon, man, the winningest coach of all time. And I said in my team. Um, and hopefully uh, a big win, a couple of big wins in the Bahamas. But uh, definitely go to the website. You'll see there's some really cool stuff. We did some stuff with uh, your new lacrosse coach, Mr. Gates, and then- Coach Gates. And you'll see some lacrosse gifting there. And we're also selling Coach Desco's collection. So there's some really cool apparel and some cool stuff on the site as well. You won't be disappointed if you need a quick Syracuse gift. Um, there's all kinds of ranges and there's some really fun stuff on there. And right now, this deal for Black Friday, which is why I jumped on the air, there's some great discounts on there. Look for the discount code and use it and save some money if you order today, tomorrow, and Friday. 315-437-7644. Caller number five right now if you'd uh, like to win something. We'll hook you up with something from Brandon. And uh, Brandon, quick, uh, you got any Sean Tucker stuff on the site? I'm working on it. I mean, I'm, I'm just debating whether, you know, are they, they going to give him the 44? Because that would be really collectible. And I'm hoping that they do because he's worked really hard. He's played really well. Unfortunately, the team hasn't quite done as well as he's done. But it would be nice to see him get the 44. And then I can get him into the whole collectability with some of the other greats that I've been able to cover over the years. All right, Brandon, we got to run. Uh, real quick, what do you most look forward to on Thanksgiving food-wise? Ten seconds. Uh, orange, baby, orange. <laughs> Come on, I live orange, dream orange, and bleed orange. And by the way, don't forget about my Jerry McNamara stuff on the site. That's like my favorite Syracuse player. You know that, right? All right, we will check it out. Happy Thanksgiving, Brandon, to you and your family. We got to run. Happy Thanksgiving to all of you out there as well. Paulie and I will be back at it on Monday. Enjoy the rest of the day, everybody.